0: One of our goals is you take away a nugget of wisdom that will help your business move from the industrial revolution to business 5.0. Our vision is that of collaboration in the aquaculture industry. I'm Lourdes Gant, your host. As an aquaculture business owner, how do you handle the climate and biotechnology at the same time? That's what we're going to be talking about in this episode, not to mention algae. So listen in and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Episode 2, Season 7 of the Business of Aquaculture podcast. This episode, I'm delighted to have Peter Green of PaxTier. Peter is the co founder of Paxtier, an algae innovator, and is helping people build and stay at the forefront of not only algae, but the climate biotech industry. Welcome to the show, Peter.
1: Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being here. So, maybe we can get the show started by letting our audience know how did you get into this industry?
1: Yeah, sure. So I came across algae when I was about 15 or 16, and I was reading about the ways that we could use it to make surfboards and snowboards. Um, so that was a pretty cool introduction to the space and my my first look at making commercial bioproducts and biomaterials from organic matter. And then when I went to university, I studied studied biochemistry and biotechnology, and I came across the potential of algae for bioremediation biofuels and high value hydrocarbons um, and that latter subject formed the basis of my final thesis um, before i then i then ended up going to australia where i spent some time working alongside some pretty cool startups looking at seaweed for biomaterials bioplastics feed food uh, and a variety of others and then I started writing about the space and that's where Pacsteer was born and since then it's grown into a nice community and newsletter covering innovation in algae.
0: Sounds great. It's seldom that I hear somebody get started when they were a teenager from surfing board to a really good algae company right now. So thank you for sharing that. In our earlier communications, you were talking about releasing a seaweed report. Can you tell us about that journey? How's that going?
1: Absolutely. So I also work for HatchBlue, And I know you're in contact with the HatchBlue guys. So I work specifically with the Hatch Innovate Innovation Services um, with the lovely Carlotta Reeve and, and Tanya. This team has been doing a big deep dive into seaweed markets and specifically new and emerging products. Um, And so we're finalising the report at the moment. We've done a deep dive into 10 or so emerging sectors and it's being published hopefully in the coming weeks and months um, where we're sort of giving a perspective on what's happening, uh, what's interesting and the future state of these markets. I'm not sure how much more I can reveal at this stage, but it's, um, it's going to be a good one. I can tell you that.
0: We're so excited. It's like we call it now seaweed is the darling of the aquaculture industry right now. So there's so much news and innovation happening in that space. It's so exciting. So but maybe from a standpoint of what Foxtier does, um, can you tell us what is the strategy for a climate biotech and how did that come about? What is biotech for those who doesn't know what it is?
1: Yeah, so the way I look at it, um, I think it's good to take algae as an example. So with algae-based products, you can reduce uh, climate carbon emissions. For example, by replacing fossil fuel-based products with seaweed-based products, uh, you can effectively reduce the total emissions or, or even the, the, the use of finite resources. Um, and then furthermore, we can use algae, microalgae and macroalgae to absorb carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, which can then be permanently sequestered either in the, the deep sea, which is one approach, or underground. Um, or there's other natural routes to sequestration, for example, in natural sediments or in natural export to the deep deep ocean. Um, so I'm particularly fascinated in those sort of nature-based solutions to climate change, and and that's always been an area of interest. So At university, I spent time looking at the way algae can be used to make uh, hydrocarbons. We were looking at producing volatile hydrocarbons for perfumes, but knowing that one day these sort of engineering of these algae could be used to make biofuels. Now, the biofuel sector has had a lot of up and downs over the the years, and um, we do have two camps, basically, those who are strongly in favour and those who don't see it happening in the next 20 years but there is still heightened interest in this area and and for good reason like there's a big opportunity in minimizing our our use of finite resources and and fossil fuels
0: and forgive me for this, but I'm not a very technical person. So, if you're explaining what this biotech does specifically, can you put it in layman's term that a five-year-old can understand? What 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 is biofuel? What is the technology involved? Like when you were talking about algae and how it can help climate change, how like go through a journey with me?
1: Sure, sure. So uh, things like algae make a variety of different products. Uh, if we take macroalgae, so seaweeds, for example, you can extract from these organisms compounds that make up interesting products like bioplastics. So you might take out specific biopolymers in algae, uh, that, like alginates or carrageenans, which then you can turn into interesting <laughs> layers or fibers. Uh, which can also go into textiles or or fashion products. When it comes to uh, things like biofuels, we're looking more at lipids. Uh, And so that's uh, a way of, we need to extract these lipids from the algae, which we can then burn or combust for for fuel. Um, I mean, that's just a couple of products, but I mean, other areas of interest at the moment are obviously dyes. So getting dyes from algae are really, really interesting. And also supplements. So feeds is a really interesting area. I'm sure you're aware of the, the folks making methane reduction supplements um, from seaweed. It's a really exciting space. Um, not just from asparagopsis. So uh, so this specific seaweed uh, down in in Australia or, or wherever it's being farmed commercially. But also from things like kelps where we can now see or we're hearing news of, of Um, reduction in in cattle from using these supplements. But, yeah, there's a lot of of potential in in these products. And the thing with algae is that it's it's renewable resources. Um, So algae is my niche at the moment, uh, but I'm I'm pretty passionate about the the wider sector, too, uh, of climate biotech. So things looking at using fungi, for for example, uh, or mycelium. to to create a a variety of different products. But I'm I'm highly focused on algae at the moment and seaweed specifically too.
0: Thank you for doing that. And for those who are non-technical people, the way that I see this, and this may still be a technical term, it's like a natural ingredient. For example, you were mentioning seaweed or algae. In my head, what came to my mind when you were talking about that, where you can create new products, is a circular economy in a sustainability um lingo, wherein you use a natural product that can create new products that are, the components are really Um, from nature based on the original and then it just kind of circularity is the word that came to my mind when you were saying that absolutely yeah
1: absolutely and and as well a lot of the focus nowadays is on producing crops that don't rely on fresh water so this is one of the interesting facets of seaweed is that we can use seawater to grow it Um, and there's a lot of uh, improvements in regulation there's a big push for implementing more of this stuff as a biomass source over the coming decades um, so it's a really exciting space to be in and there's a lot of really brilliant people working in this space to, to ensure that it is growing sustainably and in, in a positive direction um, so yeah really there's a, there's reason for it being top of the agenda for so many teams at the moment
0: it is and it's good to hear that all these i guess maybe um not so looked upon natural things coming from the earth is now being given attention because it's that time now we're, we're in a crooks of the precipice of change with climate change and everything that's happening in the environment. So every little thing that can help is important to be noticed. So my last question to you is, what do you think has been your greatest learning since you've been in the industry?
1: That's a great question. I think that there is a, a point around uh, hanging around long enough um but i think that's probably one of the things i've learned the most uh, as a founder in this space if you're persistent enough as we've seen with things like biofuel and, and clean tech 101 20 30 years ago there's a big if you can stay in with patients with and, and access to enough patient capital you can really Um, catch a second wave down the line. So we're seeing some really resilient teams who have been really exceptional, um, not hackers, but they've been hustlers. They've been hard at work operating with not much income for the last 10 years or so. And finally, they're now entering this interesting phase of of interest in seaweed, for example. Uh, And they're catching that wave at a moment that didn't come many years before so it's been really fascinating watching their success um and obviously there's, there's so much to be, to be gained from from being persistent but this the following the seaweed trend now has been really exciting I'm always impressed at the stories coming out of folks um like lollyware or, or even folks at spirit inc who have been very resilient to to those external factors and, and constantly looking for, for that um, uptick uh, which has finally arrived um, and otherwise yeah I think the the methane reduction space is really uh, excelling at proving critics wrong um, and it's fascinating to see how the science and the entrepreneurs are interlinking there because people have made claims and then people are rejecting those claims and the science comes out a little bit later. Um, so I've learned very, I've, I've been watching how those two facets of the climate tech community coexist. So how science and entrepreneurs have to work together to, to move an industry. Um, and I, I mean, I, I do believe that working together in, in community and, and working on these solutions in unison and not being overly competitive is the secret to to expanding uh, the sea region and, and micro industries and and beyond that the climate biotech uh, industry
0: thank you for saying that i think um people in the industry like us often forget the value of what you said your very words hanging long enough and um if if you're new in the industry, you forget that because there are some industries where in people can get a return on their investment after two to three years that in aquaculture, most of the science research and development takes 10 years to be able to actually be able to say that the effort was worth it. And people forget that because now at this age, day and age of technology, everything is just so fast paced that the value of having a long-term vision is sometimes forgotten. So thank you for bringing that up. Well, this has been a really productive and meaningful conversation, Peter. You got me thinking now about 300-year plans that Japan used to used to do. And even though I've been in this industry for 15 years now, my husband for 30 years, it brought me back to the importance of that. And the word that seems to be emerging for me this week is actually resilience, which you also used. How can our audience get in touch with you?
1: I think the best way is on LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, I've got a few handles that I can post on on, on your website. Uh, otherwise, the newsletter is always a great way of getting in touch. So, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing any new faces pop up after this chat.
0: Thank you again for your time, Peter. And, how, and then remember to leave a review of the podcast when you have time. And to our audience, what's your biggest takeaway from this conversation? See you again next week. Thanks, Peter. I really appreciate you. Cheers. No worries. Thank you for listening, and I hope you are inspired from this episode. Do take a moment and share this with your friends and colleagues and rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway from this conversation has been. What are you going to do differently? Please share your thoughts across social media and tag us. For links and show notes for this episode, visit our website, www.sustainableaquaculture.ca slash podcast. Thank you again. I hope you will join me on the next episode and together we can help create a better business in aquaculture.